Hello, it's Friday 16th of September. I'm Hannah Pearson. On today's show, Gary Bowerman and I will be discussing the outlook for travel and tourism in Japan with our special guest, Kyoji Kuramochi, Executive Director, Global Strategy Headquarters of Japan National Tourism Organization. So let's get started. This is the Southeast Asia Travel Show. wherever you are in the world and thanks for listening in. So today we are traveling to Japan where one of the most anticipated tourism reopenings of the year is underway. Japan is a vital market for travel and tourism across Southeast Asia and Asia Pacific and is a hot destination for travelers from Southeast Asia. So today we're honored to welcome a very special guest, Kyoji Kuramochi, Executive Director of the Global Strategy Headquarters of the Japan National Tourism Organization, who will discuss the outlook for Japanese travel for the rest of 22 and into 2023. So Kuramochi-san, it is a pleasure to welcome you to the Southeast Asia Travel Show. How are you doing today? And how is life in Tokyo? Mm, thank you for inviting me to this show. And I'm very glad to join here. And now I'm in my office now. And recently, business guests from foreign countries has increased, and Hana-san will be here in the middle of September. And we are holding the Tourism Expo of Japan next week, and we will welcome many guests from all, all over the world, including Hana-san. And on the other hand, on September 7th, Japan uh, Gentio held the event named Inbound Forum for the member of JNTO in Tokyo. Hana-san gave us a keynote speech about adventure travel and the possibility of adventure travel in Japan in the event. Uh, thank you very much for your highly state presentation. And um, participants got power f- from your speech to hear our potential. And our automatic business trips are all, also increasing. I will join ATWS. 2022 in Lugano, Switzerland next month. I'm preparing for this and gradually it has become um, um, busier today. That's great to hear. It sounds like there's a a real buzz and there's a lot of activity. So that's great to hear. Kuramochi-san, we want to talk about what's going to be happening in Japan, but we thought initially we'd just take a little bit of a look back at your career, fascinating career resume that you have. So I thought we'd start by going back to 1995, a long time ago. Soon after graduation, you were involved in the revision of the travel agency law at the travel agency division of the Ministry of Transportation in Japan. Tell us a bit more about that and how it was designed to benefit the travel industry. 1992, I graduated from the University of Tokyo and entered entered the Ministry of Transport, now the Ministry of Land Infrastructure, Transport and Tourism, we say simply LIT. And I joined the travel agency division and I was involved in the division of travel agency law in 1995. The travel agency law is enacted mainly for the benefit of travelers. Travel agencies are required to be accountable to travelers for their travel arrangement in accordance with various regulations, for example, pre-contract cancellation policies. In addition, the uh, law also 
include remedies for travelers in case of a travel agency's bankruptcy. At that time, in 1996, the Japanese government's main tourism policy was to promote overseas travel by Japanese in order to reduce the trade surplus between the United States and other countries. Many Japanese travelers are broke and prices the competition of overseas travel package tours became extreme among small and medium-sized travel agencies and causing them to lure travelers with low prices and force them to buy tours that were actually priced higher. Therefore, we have tightened our regulations to show consumers the price range of tours both and up and down. And travel agencies are able to gain the trust of tourists and development the, their business through the presentation of real prices to consumers. But now is a time of dynamic pricing, so I think the rules must be updated and changed. It sounds like a very exciting time, I think, for, for Japanese tourism at the time, and I'm sure it sounds like you played a, a really vital role there. So skipping forward, you know, from 2008 to 2009, um, you served as internal chief supervisor at Nagasaki Prefectural Police Headquarters. So that sounds like quite a change in direction from tourism to police. <laughs> yes, indeed. And at first, I was very surprised when I hear that from my boss, uh, your next position is chief supervisor of Prefecture Police Headquarters. <laughs> I thought that... Can I be a policeman? <laughs> but I knew our organization, MLIT, had the post of police headquarters, but I didn't think I'd be selected for it. I worked at Nagasaki Prefecture Police Headquarters in 20, uh, 2008 and 2009 as the head of internal control. My main job was personnel, assignments and budget allocation, not chasing and catching criminals. So I can do it. I couldn't do it. And it was very useful for me to get a various knowledge of internal management. And also as a policeman, I practiced judo and gun shooting during business hours. It was great experiences. <laughs> so skipping forward to 2016, back into the tourism arena. Uh, you were part of the editing of the Tourism Vision for Tomorrow's Japan program as Councillor of the, of the Cabinet Secretariat. What were the key objectives of that Tourism Vision back in 2016? I guess that was a time when, when travel and tourism were really changing in Japan. In 2016, a new strategy of Japan's inbound tourism, the tour, uh, Tourism Vision for Tomorrow's Japan, was formulated. This vision outlined the German, uh, government policy of Inbound, uh, our inbound tourism and shows a concrete target number. One is inbound tourist, tourist to 40 million by 2020 and 60 million by 2030. It also get, uh, set a goal of increasing the amount of spent by foreign travelers to 8 trillion yen by 2020 and to 15 trillion yen by 2030. As of uh, 2019, we got closer to the goal for the number of travelers in uh, 2020, but 
as for the target for the amount of consumption, we only achieved 60% of the target and the remainder change. The vision including a uh, vision includes a policy to enhance the adventure activities in the national parks and help foreign visitors understand the real value of Japanese his historical and cultural assets. Now the population is rapidly declining and aging, especially in rural areas. On the other hand, Japan the rural areas have rich nature and cultural and historical assets. So, so we decided to utilize tourism to create jobs, stimulate the economy, and make each region sustainable. That must have been, again, like you say, that's such a high target, 40 million by 2020, 60 million by 2030. And then, of course, the pandemic just um, upsets everything. <laughs> so um, in July 2020, during the pandemic itself, you were appointed Director General of JNTO Planning Office and then later promoted to Executive Director Global Strategy HQ of JNTO. So tell us a little bit more about JNTO's HQ operations and your main priorities now as Executive Director. Oh, it's a good question. Thank you. And JNTO Planning Office has about 50 members. Main functions are planning global marketing strategy and inbound marketing research and digital marketing and project budget control or and domestic public relations. The project I focus on was drafting the marketing strategy for inbound travel to Japan up Japan for 2030. JNTO has identified 22 priority markets uh, worldwide. And we did an internet survey in each market and targeted three to five segments that are best suited for to achieve the government goals. And main targets in 2030 are, as I said, 60 million foreign visitors to Japan and 15 trillion yen in inbound tourism consumption and 130 million foreign visitors overnight stays in local areas. Uh, we survey the intentions of travelers in each of our markets in, in terms of spending and the potential for travel to local areas. For example, we set target A in our country, uh, in one country. This, this segment is married couple with uh, children relatively rich and from 30 to 40 years old. We uh, surveyed their needs of foreign travel and that of travel to Japan and, and analyzed Japan's strong point to them. And we have established a promotional direction for each target. Based on these results, Japanese JNTO uh, has been building the new marketing strategy. It will be announced in the near future. It's the, my main job today. Fascinating stuff. It sounds uh, it sounds a very exciting role, especially right now as, as things start to reopen. Let's go back to before the pandemic. Now, that period from 2010 through 2019, that was a spectacular period of growth in our region, but especially in Japan. 
Tell us about how you saw that tourism was developing and changing in Japan during that period before the COVID-19 struck. Thank you for your question. It's a very important point. The number of foreign visitors to Japan increased from 6.2 million in 2011 to about 32 million in 2019. Spending by foreign visitors increased from 700 billion yen in 2011 to 4.5 trillion in 2019. I think there were four main reasons. Uh, the first reason is the Japan's attractiveness as a travel destination. Good foods and dishes, for example, sushi, ramen, and Kobe beef, and beautiful nature like blue sea and green mountains, um, attractive activity for four seasons like ski, diving, and fishing, hiking, trekking, and cycling. And unique culture and high History as castles and Zen temples as in meditation or martial arts like judo or kendo. And convenience is also a strong point for us. And you can enjoy tropical seaside and powder snow ski resorts only two or three hours from Tokyo. And we also have a, st- a strong anime power. Draymon or Slamdunk, One Piece, Pokemon, Kimetsu no Yaiba. They are all made in Japan and you can visit sacred places associated with various anime works. This is the first reason. And the second reason is the economic development of East and Southeast Asia countries. The great development of each country made an amazing increase of Japanese uh, international travelers, and tourists visiting Japan also increased. Especially Taiwan and Hong Kong travelers love Japan. Most international uh, travelers of both countries have been to Japan before, and many of them are heavy repeater. And this was lucky for us. China, Korea, Taiwan, and Hong Kong are biggest and one of the most important markets. In addition, the Southeast Asia, Singapore, Indonesia, Philippines, and Malaysia, and Vietnam are also important markets because they are growing rapidly. The third reason is the Japanese government and private sector's effort in various fields under the vision of tourism vision for tomorrow's Japan. For example, airports and aviation and visas. Over the past few years, the Japanese government has expanded the capacity of international airports such as Haneda, Narita, Kansai, and Chubu. Uh, The government also expanded airport capacity at local key airports, for example, Shinchitose, Fukuoka, and Naha. This has led to an increase in international flights and more foreigners visited Japan. Open business was also efficient to get more travelers from Southeast Asia. And the fourth region is maybe its most important, GMTO's worldwide marketing. GMTO has made a major change in its promotional approach from B2B or B2C over the past five years. 
the this change is this the marketing, which includes the complete revision of the global website in 15 languages and daily information via SNS, uh, for example, uh, Facebook, Instagrams, Instagram, and YouTube, and articles on, in online travel magazines and other publications in each country. Now we have um, 10 million SNS fans worldwide, and the number is still growing. We provide information that made people want to travel Japan. Is the main point, I think. Absolutely, that that was that was fascinating. Kuromachi san, such a thorough explanation of why um, Japan saw such growth, and it's amazing. You know, you were saying six point two million in twenty eleven to thirty two million in twenty nineteen. I mean, that's, that's you know a five times growth. So. Like you say, you you have to build up the infrastructure for that. You have to tap new markets to do that. So let's talk reopening now, um, Kuramochi-san, because that is just dominating the headlines right here in Southeast Asia. You know, every time I'm even on Facebook, I can see newspaper articles. When's Japan going to open? Isn't it opening? What's the situation there? So, you know, Japan began this gradual reopening to leisure tourism in June 2022. Um, can you tell us what the current entry rules are for visiting Japan and maybe when a full reopening might be in place? To come to Japan as a tourist, uh, now you must join a group tour made by Japanese tour operators and you still need a visa. No need with PCR check before entering Japan from 7th, September 7th. But uh, September uh, 15th, the Nikkei News reported free open starting from October. Regulation changed from time to time, so please check the JNTO website and the latest and right information. Japanese people have been sensitive to the increase of new cases of COVID-19 that are broadcast on news every day. Uh, but recently, that situation has, uh, has changed a bit. It is believed that the Prime Minister Kishida's decision to resume inbound travel in order to take advantage of the weekend. weekend. Um, we will finally be able to welcome tourists from all over the world. So, so tell us a little bit more about the, how the JNTO has been planning its promotional strategy. It's obviously been difficult over recent months because you haven't known the clear timelines for when the borders were reopening. So how have you planned your, your future marketing strategy? It's a very good, important question. Mm. I think sh short haul East Asia for market, 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 China, Korea, Taiwan, and Hong Kong will be the most important as it was. 70% uh, of inbound tourists came from this area in 1990, but they still remain uh, retain restrictions such as home quarantine, so it is likely that the number of travelers will not increase immediately when Japan becomes fully open. So I think Southeast Asia, Australia, and the North American market are very important. Uh, after the, pan the pandemic, people want to travel more actively in, in nature. We would like to introduce uh, adventure travel to the these areas actively, uh, showcasing Japan's unique nature and culture. And European market is also important. 
but will actually be difficult to get back to uh, 2019 level soon because of given the longer flight times and And so, Kurumachi san, one of the challenges in Singapore that I have seen、um, that travel agents are facing there is that there is this big demand for travel to Japan, but there aren't enough flights. Is JNTO taking any actions to encourage airlines to reopen routes to Japan? I think quick recovery of airline flights is very important for the restart of Japanese inbound tourism. There are already Already, quite a few reservations、uh, from ind- individual travelers in de- December. With the weekend,、um, even consumers who are already、uh, exchanging money and looking forward to visit Japan. Japan plans to begin in full scale joint advertising with airlines and travel agencies once the start of individual travel is decided. Japan,、uh, JNTO has created an Creative with a copy o k a i r i Welcome Back to Japan that can be used commonly by travel agencies and others. Various travel agencies are always are using, various travel agencies are using this creative in the advertisement, and the entire travel industry is working together to impress consumers the opening of travel to Japan. In addition to this, we plan to gradually increase the number of family trips、uh, for travel agencies and media in each country, including Singapore. Kuramachi san, one of the interesting elements we've seen worldwide over recent months is the issue of manpower, particularly in airlines, in hotels, and especially airports. That hasn't been quite so pronounced here in Asia Pacific. What will be the situation when Japan reopens? Will manpower be an issue for the travel industry? Yes. All over the world in Japan, it's a very、um, serious problem. Even before COVID 19, a shortage of human resources in the tourism sector was evident, mainly in rural areas. Particularly lacking are、uh, the personnel of marketing, digital promotion, and foreign language speaking guides. They are needed in local DMOs, and there, were also,、uh, there was also a shortage of hotels and in employees. Who perform、uh, simple labor. The Japan Tourism Agency has been offering courses at regional universities to foster tourism human resources in regional areas. But due in part of,、uh, to the low cost of labor, employment in regional DMOs has not progressed as well as expected. Until the pandemic, there had been a severe race to sell cheaply at local hotels and inns.、Uh, this has kept labor costs low, but I believe that the time has come to change. The time will come when the authentic and high quality products will receive due evaluation. So the manpower problem will gradually be solved, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like, like you said, it, it, it's facing everybody. And、um, there's always been that problem of, I think, hospitality expecting to pay its workers fairly low salaries and now realizing that they're going to have to increase that. And therefore, it's, it's that challenge, I think, as all tourism businesses recover, no matter whether it's in Japan, in Southeast Asia, or, or worldwide.
So looking at tourism businesses right now, what's the current situation with those? Have many closed down during the pandemic? Uh, we believe that it is important to sustain the tourism industry uh, and the government is implementing various support measures. As of 2019, total tourism spending in Japan was 28 trillion yen. Domestic travel was 80% and 22 trillion yen. Inbound, tra- inbound travel was 70% or 5 trillion yen. So recovery of domestic tourism is critically important to revitalize the Japanese tourism industry. Of course, the inbound market is also important. So we are waiting for fully open while recovering demand for domestic tourism. The Japanese government provides subsidies to small businesses that maintain employment, provided interest-free loans. As a result, relatively few companies went bankrupt so far in Japan. Yeah, that's fascinating. Domestic tourism across our region still remains extremely important. It's great to see that Japan is supporting its businesses. Let's look a little bit now at a niche sector, really. Japan has been one of the leading Asia-Pacific destinations in terms of positioning itself as a Muslim-friendly destination. That was in place before the pandemic. Will it continue to do so in future? It's a very good, good point. Yes, of course. We are focusing on the Muslim world, including Malaysia, Indonesia, and the Middle East. They will not change in the future. We already have offices in Kuala Lumpur and Jakarta, and opened new office in Dubai in last November. We will continue to strengthen and the presentation of information for Muslims. I believe that Japanese shoujin ryori, or Japanese traditional vegetarian cuisine for Buddhist monks is very suitable for Muslims if it can be certified as a halal. So uh, we welcome Muslims friends from all over the world. And as you know, for, for me, as that's maybe our listeners might know or might not know, that's also one of my um, niche interests is Muslim friendly travel. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that um, JNTO is still, still looking at that because I think it's such a, an invaluable segment. So I wanted to talk now about SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals. And, you know, these are increasingly a central part of destination management and planning. So how is Japan um, planning to approach sustainability, climate change and tourism? Oh, it's a very important point. I totally agree with that SDGs must be the center of the of destination management and planning. In Japan, Japan travel agency shows the guidelines how to manage destinations sustainably, named JSTSD. This is a Japanese translation of the guidelines prepared by the GSTC and edited to facilitate implementation by Japanese local governments. People in the travel industry are gradually beginning to understand the importance of sustainable tourism. More and more regions are now promoting sustainable tourism, and 20 regions from Japan were selected as one of the top 100 green destinations in 2021. JNTO edited the SDGs policy in June 2021, 
and I was the person responsible for promoting sustainable tourism within the NPO until last June. I gave many lectures at the universities and other institutions about the importance of the sustainable tourism. We published a digital brochure in, in introducing sustainable tourism initiatives in Japan named Explore Deeper, Sustainable Travel Experiences in Japan. So we have introduced 50 more service providers that are committed to environmental and cultural preservation and that meet global standards in the brochure. For example, we selected a, a hotel in Hokkaido. The hotel offers visitors to, uh, the opportunity to enjoy Japan's rich natural environment activities that allow them to observe wild animals and plants. We also selected a hotel in Nagano. You can experience a tra traditional Japanese sake brewing, Nihonshu in Japanese. And the details can be viewed in, on JNTO's global website. And please search for Explore Deeper JNTO. It will change your image of Japan so far. And please take a look. Absolutely. Thanks, Kurumachi-san. And I will add that link to our show notes as well. That leads us kind of nicely onto adventure travel, because of course, without nature, uh, <laughs> adventure travel wouldn't be there. Um, so next year, Japan and Hokkaido are going to host the Adventure Travel World Summit. You and I are going to Switzerland in just a few weeks, right, to, to go to the Adventure Travel World Summit for 2022. Um, is adventure travel a niche that JNTO is planning to put more focus on in the coming years? Thank you so much asking about ATWS 2023 in Hokkaido. Uh, without COVID-19, the, uh, the ATWS in Hokkaido would help in 2021. But because of the pandemic, it was held on, only online. And in 2023, we will be able to welcome you offline in Hokkaido. It is a great chance not only to Hokkaido, but all but to all Japan, because we can make new decision image, uh, destination image of Japan. Not city like Tokyo and Osaka, not cherry blossoms, not anime, not ninja, not samurai. And we have deep forests and wanna train light from Tokyo, and you can enjoy hiking mountains. And you also enjoy diving in beautiful beautiful blue sea in summer and powder snows in ski resort in winter was about two hours train ride from Tokyo. Uh, we have many spiritual spots from Hokkaido to Okinawa. Uh, for example, Dewa Sanzan in Yamagata Prefecture in Tokyo, Shinto prayers and ancient paths, a world heritage site, and the 88th temple tour of Shikoku, um, where believers still gather from all over Japan. You must not forget the Ainu culture in Hokkaido. In Shiraoi town, Upopoi, a national museum introducing the Ainu, was established in July 2020. Visitors can experience the lifestyle and dances and culture of these indigenous people of Japan. There is also an Ainu village Hainukotan on Lake Akan in eastern Hokkaido. There are the Ainu people who live there. 
visitors can take a guided tour uh, through the forest with armed people. Of course, uh, the NTO is now strengthening adventure travel project from this year. I will join in the ATWS 2022 in Lugano, Switzerland, and make a welcome speech for the next year. I look forward to seeing you in, all in Hokkaido next year. Well, I can tell you, Kuramachi-san, I'm almost ready to book my ticket. That sounds absolutely fantastic. I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have visited Japan a few times, but I've never been to Hokkaido, and it sounds, it sounds absolutely stunning. So let's round up with one of the issues that is a, a burning issue across our region in travel and tourism, and that's China. Every country in Southeast Asia, in Asia Pacific, is really waiting to find out when Chinese travelers will be traveling overseas again. How important will that be for revitalizing tourism in Japan? Oh, it's a very difficult question. <laughs> it's hard to say. And China is uh, the biggest market for Japanese inbound market. In 2019, 9.6 million tourists visited Japan from mainland China. Uh, this was 30%. People in China coastal areas have, been, have become repeat, repeat visitors to Japan, especially those over 30 years old. While they tend to like shopping in big cities such as Tokyo or Osaka, the luxury segment also likes to travel to local areas for cultural experiences, healing, gastronomy, and skiing, according to our analysis. On the other hand, inland areas still have few experienced travelers who have traveled abroad, including to Japan. They will enjoy temples in Kyoto, shopping in Tokyo, and beautiful cherry blossoms. As for the situation of the East China Sea, there is nothing I can do personally about the tensions that are occurring, but tourism is based on peace. I hope that China will reopen as soon as possible. Absolutely. And I think, as Gary said, I think that's the sentiment across the whole of, of Asia Pacific right now. I think we are all just waiting for the Chinese market to return. So, Kurumochi-san, I wanted to say a, a massive thank you um, for coming on the show. It has been um, a real privilege to have you on and um, learn all about how Japan was building up its visitors pre-pandemic and, and what your plans have been to to revitalize tourism as we come through this recovery period. Thank you very much. And so that brings us to a close of this week's show. Our grateful thanks to Kuramochi-san for sharing his insights with us today. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and don't forget to send us your thoughts and comments on anything we discussed with Kuramochi-san or anything we missed out. You can drop us a message on our LinkedIn page at the Southeast Asia Travel Show. Meanwhile, you can catch up with the Southeast Asia Travel Show's full back catalogue on our website, the seasiatravelshow.com. And of course, you can listen to every episode, including this fascinating episode about Japan with Kuramochi-san on all of the various international podcast platforms. Just search for the Southeast Asia Travel Show on each app. And please remember that if you do tune in via Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you could give us a quick rating and a review, that will help other people to find the show. So that's a wrap for today. And we'll be back to talk more travel and tourism in Southeast Asia with you soon. We look forward to talking to you then. Bye.